good morning, everyone. Good to see your smiling faces. It looked like the extra hour of sleep did some of you some good. Did me some good. I enjoyed that last night. But I hope that you have already been able to experience the goodness and the grace of God as we've gathered together, whether here in this room or joining us online. Uh, it's just been a joy um, to, to be together so far. And as we dive into God's word, I hope it, it, it's fulfilling for you as well. I want to echo a little bit there about that missions trip meeting next week. Uh, if you have never gone on a global missions trip, it will change your life. And we want to encourage everyone, if you haven't done it, go next week, hear a little bit more about some of the opportunities that we have coming up next year. We have uh, several that are overseas, but also have a couple here stateside as well. So uh, plan on taking a part of that. It is a revolutionary part of your faith journey that can really change your life. Um, well, yesterday uh, we had, you heard Blair talk about, it, we had over 150 women here gathered for our, our women's conference. Um, and I was able to sneak in under the radar. I wasn't supposed to be here, but I was able to sneak in. I, I knew the person who was teaching yesterday, and I, I kind of have a thing for her, so I decided to come in and see her. But it was just a great event, and to, to, to see the, the amount of effort that went into it, and, and to see all of the gifts and the talents that, that were used for the express purpose of pointing people to the hope that's found in Jesus. It was just such an amazing time, an amazing snapshot and picture of what the church is meant to be as people are using their talents and their gifts to point others to Jesus. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. We'll get there in just a few minutes. And as we do that, let me pray for us. God, we are so thankful, thankful for um, your goodness, uh, the opportunity that we get to express our praise back to you of your worthiness in our lives. And now, God, as we open up your word, uh, we open up our hearts and our minds to your word as well. Spirit, do your work. Meet us where we are individually. Speak to us specifically so that we can leave here changed and challenged as a result. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, if you are new joining us this morning or just in the last little bit, over the last uh, 10 months, almost 11 months now, we have been going through the story arc of God's mercy and God's grace that's found in, in Scripture. And we've been reminded over and over again of his gracious and his redemptive plan to make a way for us to experience life with him and a relationship with him. And we followed that promise, that, that promise of his grace throughout the Old Testament. And then we saw the fulfillment of that promise in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And then the last few weeks, we've been looking at the start of the early church. And when the church was first started and established, it was charged with spreading the gospel. And, and gospel just means good news, that, that they were charged with spreading the good news of what God had done. And he wanted that message of his grace to spread to the uttermost parts of the world. And we're here today because of what that early church, that what, what that early church did and how they were obedient to his call in their life. We've been looking at some of the qualities of that early church and asking the question, what, what does it mean to be a Jesus-centered, gospel-centered church? What, what are some of the examples that we see in these early believers or in this early church that we need to apply into our lives or into our church? And so far, we've seen that that early church was radically inclusive and that they made sure that there weren't any, any artific artificial or additional obstacles for someone to come to faith. They said, we're gonna make it hard for them. We want them to know what Jesus did for them and to place their faith in Jesus alone. And we saw that they were also a, a worshipful church, that they were a prayer-filled church. And then last week, Andy unpacked for us that they were also a sacrificial church, that, that they were committed to growing 
in their faith through God's transformational process in their lives. And today we're going to look and see that they were also a gifted church. And if you have your Bibles, you can again turn to Romans chapter 12. And as we start our time together, I want to reread those two verses that Andy unpacked for us last week. In Romans 12, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I, I love the, the promise of, of these verses that, that the God of the universe, the God that spoke everything into existence, he has a plan and he has a purpose for my life. And, and he wants me to, to discover it and to experience the joy of walking in it. And what Paul says is that what I first must do is I must resign as the leader of my life. And instead, I need to offer my life fully to him. And when I do that, then he will begin to do this transformation in my life and he will lead me towards his plan and his purpose for my life, his, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that right there answers one of the biggest questions that everyone at some point in their life asks. You, you may not use the phrase trying to discover God's will for your life, but I think everyone at some point asks the question, why am I here? What, why am I here on this earth? What's the purpose of my life? What am I supposed to do with this life that I have? And what Paul says in these verses is, is that those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus can know the answer to that. That God created us for a purpose and that he wants to lead us to find it. So how do we find it? I think one of the things that we need to be reminded of is, is that God is a good God and he loves to give good gifts. And at the moment uh, that you give your life to Jesus, God gives you three gifts. And, and as you open those gifts and as you open your life to those gifts, they will begin to lead you towards the purpose that God has for your life. That the first gift that he gives us at salvation is eternal life. But when I open up my life to Jesus, when I surrender my life to Jesus, I am instantly forgiven. There's no more guilt. There's no more condemnation. And I'm given eternal life. Paul says it this way in Romans 6. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus looked at our condition and he knew that, that the wages or the consequences of our sin, of our disobedience against God was death. Eternal separation from him. You can't be good enough on your own. You can't clean yourself up enough. You can't get into heaven on your own because heaven is perfect and you're not. But then Jesus, perfectly sinless, he stepped into this world and he said, I'll pay for the consequences. I'll pay your sin debt in full. And when I receive that gift, I'm immediately made right with God. And I never have to worry about my future. I know that I'm going to heaven. It's a solid promise. It's a secure promise. And Paul says in Romans 12 that this is part of the mercy of God that we are to keep in full view. And that as we remind ourselves of God's mercy, as we remember what God has done for us and what it is that he has rescued us from, then how could we hold anything back from him? That, that his mercy, his offer of eternal life, it, it should motiva motivate us to, to live a life that's chasing after him and is chasing after his plans for our lives. 
The next gift that God gives us that, that helps us find this is he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and we talked about this at length just a few weeks ago, but, but it is the gift of the Holy Spirit that, that allows us to, to change and it empowers us to transform. Paul says it this way in Romans 5, he says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God says to us, he's like, I'm not just going to be near you. I'm not just going to be around you. I'm not just going to be with you. I'm actually going to be in you. I I am going to put my spirit inside of you and he will grow you and he will convict you and he will change you and he'll actually guide your steps towards finding my will for your life. And I want to spend the rest of our time talking about this last gift that he gives us. When you put your faith in Jesus, God gives you eternal life. He gives you the the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he also puts special abilities in you. And and they're in scripture called spiritual gifts. The Bible has a lot to say about spiritual gifts. You can, Paul says in multiple, multiple of his letters, he starts describing the importance of having these spiritual gifts in our lives and how it is that they can guide our steps in our life. And the fact is that even though Scripture speaks a lot about this, a lot of believers leave this particular gift unopened. Uh, most people don't even know that they have this gift. And for a lot of people, the, the, these gifts that God gives us They're just lying dormant in their lives, waiting to be opened and waiting to be used. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Paul's saying that that we each get one and we don't get to choose what they are. That, That God says, I'm going to choose it for you. And you don't earn your gift. God says, no, this is going to be given to you as a grace in your life. And these gifts aren't primarily for our benefit. These gifts are primarily to help others, to serve others, to bless others. And other people in the church are given gifts to help you, to help me. So here's how I would define a spiritual gift for our time today. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve others and accomplish his plans. That that when you become a believer, when you become a, a follower of Jesus, God gives you a brand new purpose for your life. And your spiritual gifts are the tools that will actually allow you to do what God has called you to do. God will never ask you to do something that he doesn't also give you the ability to do as well. So what we understand is that every Christian, every follower of Jesus is called to serve the cause of Christ, to advance God's purposes and God's kingdom in some way. But your spiritual gift shows you particularly how it is that you are to serve him, what your particular role is inside of the church, inside the Big C Church to accomplish his plans. This is God's hope for the church. He created the church to make a difference, to make a contribution, to make an impact in the world. And God's will is for each of us to find our place and to use our gifts so that others can open these same three gifts, so that others can experience forgiveness from their past and they they can experience the security of a home in heaven that awaits them and that they can experience a purpose, a real purpose for living. Okay, so with that as a backdrop, with understanding that that God has given us these three gifts in order for us to accomplish his plans in this world, I want us to turn back to Romans chapter 12 and get a little bit better understanding of what these spiritual gifts are meant to be in our lives. So we'll pick up in verse three. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has, just, has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Paul starts out this discussion on spiritual gifts with, with a warning and a reminder. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Don't have the, this pride-filled view of yourself or an improper view of yourself in these gifts, but instead have a sober view. Have a, have a, have a sensible view of how to use them. And Paul uses in, in this passage and in other passages one of his favorite analogies to describe the church, and that's this physical body to explain how it is that the Christian life is meant to be lived. And he says that that allows us to picture and to be reminded that, that we are that we're joined together, that we actually belong to each other. So here's the first point if you're taking notes, is that our spiritual gifts connect us together. So Paul is warning us of this uh, lone, warning us against this lone ranger mentality that says, you know, it's just me and Jesus and I don't need anybody else. That is not how God set up the church and that's not how God set up the Christian life to be lived. We're not just connected to Jesus when we are saved. We are also connected to one another as well. And what that means is that what happens to you matters to me. And what happens to me should matter to you because we're all connected. To, to kind of lean into this analogy a little bit further, this physical analogy that he's, he's using is a disconnected body part is gross, right? And, and it's not going to survive very long on its own. If you were to leave church today and you found a severed foot out in the parking lot, you would immediately think, Something very wrong has happened here, and not just to the foot, but to the entire body, right? We know this, like a, a, a severed foot is just going to shrivel up and die on its own. That, that's its future. And that's what Paul is trying to paint for us here as well. Paul's saying that, that that is also the future of a disconnected Christian, that, that we need each other, that we are, in fact, connected together for a lot of diff different reasons. We're connected so that we can love one another, so that we can encourage one another, so that we can bear each other's burdens when life gets hard, that we can spur one another maybe whenever we get a little bit lax in our faith, but we're also connected together so that we can protect one another. The Bible says in 1 Peter that your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And we've all watched those safari shows on Animal Planet or National Geographic. And the, the, the scene starts out and there's this herd of animals, gazelles or whatever. And there's one lone gazelle out there. And you see the, the lion sitting in the high grass. And we all know that what's going to happen. The, the future of that lone gazelle is not very bright. And again, that, that is the future of a disconnected lone believer one of the primary weapons that our enemy uses is isolation. And he'll use shame or guilt or hurt feelings to, to pull you away from the protection of the body. And the moment that you begin to pull away, the moment that you begin to, to disconnect 
from the body of Christ and you are right where this prowling lion wants you to be and you're serving yourself up on a silver platter to your adversary. But what Paul reminds us is that as we remain connected together, as we share our gifts together and we are serving one another and loving one another through these spiritual gifts, then we remain connected and we remain protected. And then Paul continues in verse six. And he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is uh, to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So Paul reminds us that, that God in his sovereign wisdom has distributed these different gifts as he sees fit so that he can meet the needs of the church. And then Paul kind of runs through a, a number of these kinds of gifts that God might, might give to the church. And this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list. It's meant to give a, snap, a snapshot or a taste or a flavor of how it is that God uniquely gifts different people for the sake uh, of the goodness of the church. But I, I think it, just looking at this list alone, you can see some of the variety of gifts that God wants to disperse. Prophesying is probably the one that, that's, that grabs our attention the most because we may not um, understand what, what Paul means there. Prophecy in, in the Bible has a lot of different meanings. Specifically in the Old Testament, you, you saw where these Old Testament prophets would actually be the, the voice of God. Thus says the Lord, and they would speak God's truth to, to the people. And sometimes they'd even uh, predict future events. But, but in this context, Paul is referring to someone who has the ability to give a word of encouragement or a word of exhortation that, that the Spirit of God may give them to give to someone else. And the church needs people who are sensitive to the leading of the Spirit and are bold enough to, to speak these kinds of words into someone else's life. Someone who has the gift of serving, they, they have the ability, they have a, a sense of meeting someone's physical needs. Teachers have the ability to, to explain doctrine or biblical truth in a way that people understand. Encouragers know how to motivate people, to come alongside of them and to give them the right kind of motivation. Givers recognize that everything that God has given them is a gift from him and they are generous to invest that back into the kingdom. Leaders have the ability to, to see complex things and to, to break them down and to get them organized and managed in a certain way. And those with the gift of mercy have this special ability to, to sit down with people who are hurting and, and to allow them to be heard. And again, this isn't even all of the gifts that the New Testament describes for us, but, but we can see if just these seven gifts were, were used, how much healthier the church could be. This list and the others that are in, found in the New Testament remind us of this truth, that, that God gives different gifts to different people, but all are necessary. We know this kind of intuitively, but, but we all have different capacities and different strengths, and, and it takes all of these gifts in the body of Christ to accomplish all that God set out for us to do. Some have the, the gift of discernment, and they're able to sit down and counsel with people. Others ha have the, the grace gift to, to work with kids, and God has given them an extra measure of patience and grace, and they can handle the noise and the chaos that, that happens whenever you're dealing with kids. I, I don't have that gift. You, you don't want me up in Ridge Kids. I, I, I serve up there occasionally, 
um, whenever they need somebody, but I don't thrive in chaos. And I have like this innate ability to, to, to do the, the dad stare. And I just glare at them. And it, I mean, I, I don't like doing it. It's just instinctual, but it just sucks all the joy and all the fun out of the room. So I'm glad that others have that gift. I just hope don't happen to have that one. Some have the gift of technology. I mean, you're able to, to look at computers and wires and make sense of all of that. Others have the gift of music. Some have the gift of, of decorating. Some have the, the gift of making delicious comfort food. Um, but, but different people have different gifts. And when we all use our gifts together, God does his best work in the church. And every gift is needed. Your gift is just as important as mine is. And God gives each of us the spiritual gift to bless others, which means if you don't use your gift, then someone's getting cheated out of the blessing that God wants to come from your life into theirs. God designed you to make a unique contribution, that you were designed for a purpose, that you're not gifted by accident. And without you, the body is incomplete. It's like looking at a jigsaw puzzle that's missing a piece. It's like a football team that is missing some players. A football team can't score unless everyone does their part. The offensive line has to block. The running back has to find the hole. The quarterback has to drop back and throw. The receiver has to catch. I mean, we have to have all of those components for it to be a team. God made you, and he has uniquely gifted you for a purpose. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Do, do you know what that means? That means that, that God had good things planned for you before he created you. He, he didn't create you and then go, hmm, I wonder what I can do with this one. Let me think about this. No, it says here, he had a purpose for you before he even created you. And what that means for us is that we don't we, we shouldn't be spending our time comparing our gifts to someone else or trying to copy someone else's gift, thinking, man, I wish I could lead like that or I wish I could, I could sing like them. God says, no, 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 you're my masterpiece. Yes, they're my masterpiece as well, but you are my masterpiece. You're one of a kind. And I have put some gifts in you and some talent in you and some passions in you and some abilities in you that I need you to use. Your gifts are needed. If your gifts weren't needed, then God would not have made you. And we need you in this church. God would not have brought you here unless he needed to use your gifts. He didn't bring you here just to sit and to soak and to sour. No, he brought you here to be a blessing to others. And here's the thing, that whenever we are able to use these spiritual gifts that God has given us, we don't um, just get the enjoyment of um, experiencing making an impact in others and making a contribution with this life. But because God has gifted you in this certain way, you, you also enjoy it. It's fun. It's, it brings real joy into your life. Real joy does not come from just making a lot of money or having a lot of stuff. That, that doesn't bring lasting joy. Real joy comes from knowing that my life is productive. That, that my life really does matter, that I'm not just taking up space here, but my life is being used by God to make a difference and to have an impact in this world. There's, there's no better feeling in the world than lying down at night 
and knowing that you were used by God to bless someone else, that you were used uniquely by God to make a difference in someone else's life. But, but that only happens when we do this last step. My responsibility is to discover, develop, and use my spiritual gift. That there's a responsibility that I have to uncover what it is that God has created for me to do. So how do we discover this? How, how do we discover our gifts? I'm gonna give you three ways. You examine, you evaluate, and you experiment. First, you, you just examine your life and you ask the question, how has God wired me? What, what am I passionate about? What, what are some of the needs that I'm just naturally drawn to? What, what are some of the abilities that God has gifted me that, that I can turn around and use them for the kingdom? Examine your experiences from your past like your vocational experiences or your spiritual experiences or maybe even some painful experiences that maybe God has shaped inside of you in order to minister or to serve someone else. Next thing you do is, is you evaluate. As you look back in the ways that you have served God in the past, what have you enjoyed doing the most? Where have you seen God bless some of your ministry efforts in the past? Where have other people been impacted? And as you're doing this step of evaluating your life, it's important to, to ask other people as well what they see as your gifts. One of the reasons that God has given us a family called the church is to help us see our blind spots. And sometimes one of our spiritual blind spots can be not seeing our own gifts. And that, that was my story. I could have gone a hundred years in my life and, and never known my gift to teach and to lead. I was happy as could be being an engineer. Loved the church, planned on serving the church, but had no plans in my life of exploring what it meant to be a pastor or leader of the church. But about 17 years ago, there were some folks in my home group that saw some things in me that, that I didn't see. And they were the ones who encouraged me to step out of my comfort zone and to explore a little bit and to evaluate a little bit more fully what it is that God may have put in my life. And then lastly, what you need to do is to experiment. You just have to try out some stuff. Normally, people aren't going to discover their spiritual gifts just by sitting or even by taking some of those spiritual gift tests. Those are, those are helpful but you actually have to put it into practice and really just see how it is that God has wired you. And there is no better place to do that than River Ridge. We have dozens, maybe a hundred different ways that, that you can explore some of the ways and experiment with some of the things, that, some ministry opportunities around here. But the best way is to just get involved and you start serving others and you start loving others. And what you will find that is as you start just doing that one step, things will start bubbling to the surface and you'll begin to identify how it is that God has uniquely wired you and gifted you so that you can use it. And you'll find that sweet spot where, where your passions and your abilities intersect and there is no better place to be than that. And then once you find it, you need to develop it. Um, any gift that God gives to us needs to be developed. They, they don't come fully developed, but, but it's, like, it's like a muscle and it'll get stronger over time as we train it and as we use it. I love what Paul tells Timothy. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Paul looks at Timothy and he says, don't get discouraged. 
Don't quit. You, you have to continue to work at this. Keep it alive, strengthen it, stoke it, deepen it. Some of you are here this morning and you've allowed your spiritual gift to, to kind of grow cold, to, to grow dormant. In the past, you've experienced the joy of, of using your spiritual gift. But maybe a season of life or busyness or weariness, for whatever reason, you, you've allowed that to just die down to an ember. And you need to hear Paul's encouragement, God's encouragement to you through the words of Paul that you need to fan that back into flame. You, you need to get back into the game and get that reignited in your life so, so that it can be fully used for God's purposes in this world. One of the core values that we have around here is, is that we are contributors, not consumers. And what we want you to experience is the joy of being a contributor to what God is doing. And we wanna help you find your place where you can contribute with your unique gift in a way that furthers God's kingdom in this church and in this community. God has a plan for your life. He has a good, perfect, and pleasing will for your life. And he wants you to experience the joy of finding your ministry and using your gifts so that you are able to say, I was made for this. That's our hope. That's our dream for everyone that comes here and is a part of River Ridge. Right now, there are hundreds of people who are experiencing that joy in their life. They've discovered their gift and they're actively using it in the ministry. Um, many of them work behind the scenes and you'll never know them, but they are actively working to bless you and to bless this community. And we'd love nothing more than to hear from you one day. You know, I, I'm a follower of Jesus and I recognize that he has given me a gift and I found his ministry in my life. I, I have the gift of mercy and I'm able to sit with hurting people and I'm able to point them to the hope that's found in Jesus. And I was made for this. I'm a follower of Jesus and I've found his ministry in my life. I, I, have, I have the gift of encouragement. And I love to walk, to walk alongside new believers and, and help them as they take those first steps in following after Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus and I've found his ministry in my life. I, I have the spiritual gift of hospitality. And I love to make people feel welcomed and at home when they come here on a Sunday morning. And I was made for this. I, I'm a follower of Jesus and I found his ministry for my life. I, I have the spiritual gift of goofiness. And I'm able to sit down with middle schoolers who don't even know who they are yet and I can make them laugh and feel loved. And that's my home, that, that's my small group. And I was made for this. We want that for you. And I know deep down you want that as well. You want to experience the joy of understanding, God, I was made for this. That my life has meaning, that my life has a purpose, that you have something in store for me. That's why we exist as a church. To, to help you open up and enjoy these gifts of God, the forgiveness from your past, an eternal home in heaven for your future real change that comes in your life as a result of the leading of the Spirit and a real purpose for your life as you set out to serve and to love and to bless others. Let me pray for us. Father, we are thankful. We are so thankful that
you not only saved us, but that you also equipped us and you called us to be a part of pointing others to you. God, what a joy it is to even just be on the journey of discovering what it is. But God, I just pray that you would do that now, um, that there are some here this morning whose spirit, spiritual gifts have just laid dormant for, for too long. God, do a work in their life, kind of bring that up into their spirit so they can kind of walk towards that. God, give us the, the courage to step out of our comfort zone and to step into what it is that you've called us to be and to do. Thank you for this church where we can love one another and encourage one another and protect one another as we remain connected. Help each of us to, to find the ways today even to, to serve and to bless others as we go on this journey of discovering your will for our lives. God, we are so thankful for your grace in our lives. Thank you for the reminder that comes from your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you back here next time.